Welcome to Constant Struggle. I'm Nick Watson. And I'm Bree Watson. This is episode 66 of the Constant Struggle podcast, and it features an interview with the super delightful, ever pleasant Ryan Dillon. What'd you yeah. think about that, Nick? Uh, pleasant conversation uh just waiting to go into your ears right now everybody yeah but i guess before we jump in there i'm gonna say one little thing and then nick you and i can catch up for for a quick second and then we can get right into that episode Mm -hmm. Uh, but what i would like to start by saying is that if you're enjoying the constant struggle podcast and you've enjoyed our past episodes and you're thinking hey maybe i'd like to start my own podcast I mean, if we can do it, you can do it. Exactly. Right? If these two dum-dums can have a podcast, (laughs) uh, then surely somebody of your uh, bright intelligence can as well. Uh, So if you're going to do that, uh, what I want to recommend is that you use Podbean as your hosting software because it's super easy and it's super fun. Uh, And if you you go with them and you use a link that I'm going to provide you with, you can get your first month free, which is awesome. First month free. Not that it's super expensive to begin with, but still everything helps, right? So if you go to podbean.com, let's try that again, podbean.com slash struggle pod, you could get your first month free. Yay, podbean. That's where you Yeah, and speaking from experience, we've been on it for what? five billion years now yeah i think it's been five billion years at least five i think we must be at like the five five and a half mark soon because i think we started in 2015 yeah i was gonna say because it feels like two it must be five yeah the past year uh has felt like 800 years so maybe that has had an impact on it and then there was that time we fell into that wormhole yeah the hole i remember that yeah that was Barely. awkward. Yeah, that was a that was a weird time. A weird time for us all. <laughs> Whoa! Cool. Whoa! <laughs> um. All right, Nick. What What are you working on these days? What do you got going? I'm wrapping up a short story that I'm gonna get mailed to the Toronto Star for the short story competition. What does that mean? You have to mail it. I have to physically mail it. Normally, I would just walk right up to the Toronto oh. Star building and say, here you go. Um, but, you know, COVID. Right. Uh, I'm just going to put it in the old Canada Post. Oh, man. I wonder how much it costs. Like, how many stamps do you have to use for that? Dude, it won't be that expensive. It's like Toronto. It's one town over. Yeah, I know. But I'm just curious. How heavy oh. is the script? How many pages? It's a short story, Brie. It's like eight pages. That feels like so old school. Man. Well, it doesn't help that I like carved it into wood. Yeah, I figured. I knew it was tablets that you were yeah. using, that you were inscribing. Yeah, and I, I put it, like, gave it a nice varnish, you know, oh, classed it up a bit. Good. Uh, working on my calligraphy. So I, you know, the story yeah. sucks, but it looks, <laughs> but it real looks pretty. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's cool. So when does that contest uh, up, uh, I guess, deadline? Deadline's end of the February. Okay, and you're already done. Look at you. Yay. Yeah, I got Catherine uh, reading it tonight or tomorrow. She's okay. submitting stuff for stuff. So, you know, what does that gotta... mean? is she also submitting a short story? No, no, no. This is work related stuff. Oh, I but... see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Bree? You're, well... you're improving <laughs> all over the place, right? Sure. Yeah. What's new with me? My company is, or my uh, fellow improv teachers are unionizing and my company has been sold. Yay. Or I should say bought. Uh, Wait, really? Yeah, the second city, uh, second city got a new owner, 
this week. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. Uh, ZMC, I guess it's the guy who owns the company that owns uh, Grand Theft Auto video games, among many other things. Oh, uh, okay. So that'll be interesting. I think it's uh, hopefully a good thing because uh, it means that uh, we can continue to exist, which well, I think is um, always good. My buddy Dur used to make sandwiches for those guys at Rocksteady Games over in Edinburgh. Right. So I guess this guy is like over, like he owns Rocksteady? That. Yeah. That's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Is he a hoser? What does that mean? Is he oh, a hoser? Is he, is he Canadian? No, no. American dude. <laughs> huh. Second City is. Oh, American yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Of course. For yeah. Sure. Uh, and yeah, so the, the the exact same day that that announcement came out, the announcement also came out that the teachers at Second City were unionizing. So that's fun. Mm. Lots of crazy stuff going on over there in that front. In these strange COVID times. Strange. We're really channeling the early, uh, the, the 20s vibes. of. That's right. <laughs> sure. Uh, and also I'm doing 100 days of improv, uh, which is uh, besides the point. And also teaching. And also uh yeah i wish i was writing more i guess that's the only thing in january i felt like i was writing a lot and this month felt like all of a sudden other commitments came back are you still yep, there yep okay yeah uh so other commitments came up like more uh, more teaching more um uh, my side gig there where i help host uh do web hosting for uh different companies cool anyway. cool yeah, so those those bunch of gigs, and then next week I'm super busy helping out friend of the podcast Florian Francois with a bunch of presentations he's doing for the French school board. So anyway, I just feel like I haven't had a lot of time to write, and that is sometimes oh. frustrating. Yeah, well, at least you're improvising. That's true. I'm still being creative, um, and yeah, yeah. So that's me. Oh, I just killed a baby potato bug in my office. I don't know how he got in here. It's probably because it's cold out and they find cracks and cricks and such. Yeah, those little guys are cute, but like, you gotta die, buddy. Oh, why? <laughs> what if he's eating other gross bugs? Oh no, now I'm gonna die from them. You should have left that potato bug live. Speaking of killing, you know who <laughs> kills every night when they go on stage? <laughs> Would that be Ryan Dillon? It would be Ryan Dillon! And uh, and I suppose killing looks a little bit different nowadays, uh, and it'll be fun to talk or for you at home, you wonderful listeners, uh, to uh, to hear how that sounds. How does stand up comedy work uh, in the uh, COVID? In these unprecedented times. Yes, in these socially distant times. Um, so I hope you enjoy the episode, and if you do, don't forget to share it and you know talk about it with your friends and all that good stuff. But uh, stay at a distance. Stay at a distance. That's right. Do it in masks. Unless you're in the future listening to this, in which case, go hug someone. Oh, yeah. Hug someone because we couldn't and we can't. With with consent, of course. Of course. Yeah. Make sure it's okay first, you know, with them. Yeah. Because just because COVID's gone doesn't mean you could just randomly hug people. No, although that might happen. There might be like big ass crazy orgies in the. I mean, for sure. But. But it'll all be consensual. You're right. Yeah, it'll yeah. all be, yeah, for sure. There'll be paperwork. You have to prove That's your right. vaccination record. Mm. Yeah, it, it'll all be sorted out later. Yes. In the meantime, here's episode 66 with Ryan. And enjoy Gale. your future orgies. Yay. <laughs> Welcome to Constant Struggle. I'm Nick Watson. And I'm Bree Watson. Uh, we're joined 
with a wonderful guest today. Oh, I went really high there. We're joined with a wonderful guest today, a stand-up comic and all-around nice guy. Please welcome Ryan Dillon, everybody. Hi, hey. Ryan. Hi, hey. Bree. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, my God. Yay, it's so good to see you. And it's so I, good to see you. It's good, right? so good to see anybody. Anyone, I'm, exactly. I'm thrilled for eye contact right yes. now. <laughs> uh, yep. Any so kind of the future and the past. Yeah. yeah. Any kind of human interaction in general that isn't between myself and my husband is great right now. <laughs> oh, I, I, I hear you. My girlfriend and I have been trapped together for 10 months and I love her to death and it has made us closer. It has made us so close, Brie, because... We are in the same room all the time. Yeah. You can't get much closer than that, Bree. Oh, how do you, uh, how do you, oh man, I feel like we could jump right into that yeah, right let's, now. Let's do it. <laughs> how do you, how do you deal with that? So you, are you uh, in, a, in an apartment or a, I mean. I'm an apartment. I'm in the same apartment I've ever lived in in Toronto. Okay. And uh, my girlfriend and I, actually, I got very lucky because right before uh, the pandemic happened, um, my girlfriend and I, so we met at one of my best friend's birthdays, Danny. Uh, Danny Delgado, a great TV writer, very funny. Oh, what is, he's a nice guy, too. He's a nice guy. He's such a sweetheart. I, yeah. I love that man to death. And he makes some pretty cool projects. And uh, one of my best friends. And uh, so we met at his birthday years ago. And he was in from L.A. because he was working on something, a project he had in the works. And he was like, I just need a place to rent, like a room or something. We had a spare room. So we we're like, oh, my God, you can stay with us, like, we don't care like you know knock a few bucks of a rent and i get to live with my best bud for a while Cute. hannah loves him too yeah so then the pandemic hit and he's you know his home base is la right now and we were like don't go back there no uh, yeah. don't don't do that uh so he stayed with us and it's been great because i think it's nice having a third party in the apartment because like we can like play board games or like watch a movie together and be social together and we're a little lucky in the sense that there are there's stairs in our apartment so there can be space like we can give Good. each other our own little space which i think is important but yes and of course that that goes without saying it's like it's great but at the same time you're like the same two people every day yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah. it's been but it's been great like it, it's been like a lifesaver having three people because i can't imagine doing going through a pandemic or what everyone's going through like alone like i know a lot of comedians oh, yeah. live by themselves oh, yeah. i know mm-hmm. and like i like for your own sake like the men- your mental health and stuff like i know there were like when they bubbled up was they said that if you live alone you can go bubble up one other apartment which i think was very smart because mm-hmm. for mental health like you do need social interaction you oh absolutely well, yes you, and you can see it in the sometimes even in the facebook posts of some of the people we know who are alone who are just like reaching out on facebook like Dear God, somebody have a Zoom with me or something. Oh, know? I know. I've been very open that if anybody needs a phone call or a Zoom, I think what's been very interesting is that we have brought back the phone call. The yeah. phone call has become this cliche joke that I feel like every like, as I watch so much stand up as a stand up, it's like one of the famous jokes. It's like somebody called me the other day. What a psycho call 911. And I'm yeah. like, yes, we're all calling 911 for everything. <laughs> yes i heard i heard the joke the punchline let's call 911 yes good um <laughs> but um but it's funny now when someone calls me i'm like oh dear god yeah a voice <laughs> yeah it's yeah. nice it yeah it's really nice. old-timey we should start sending letters to people oh wouldn't that be nice oh dude actually it's so funny like my birthday just passed and it's you know your birthday is your grandmother sends you a card or something like that uh and it's always the best but <laughs> Uh, you know, when your grandmother sends your card and it's the best, um, yeah. a couple of friends sent letters because they were just like, I'm bored. I'm going to send a letter. And like, it's, it's just like, 
it just it's crazy how much more that means like a phone call and a letter it's like people putting their effort and time of their day to have an experience with you whereas like a text and a message is just like it's like and you know someone texts me happy birthday i'm like you were on the toilet when you sent that uh-huh. okay, this. this isn't some special connection that's happening right now I god mean, bless I'm you all right with out. that if somebody's thinking about me on the can i consider that a win you know <laughs> hey anybody thinking about me is a win it's a win trust me it's just it's just it's a win but it's 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 one of those wins where everyone gets a trophy if if it's on the toilet but when someone calls you it's like oh you came in first bud yeah Uh, yeah yeah Yeah. participation trophy still count man it's still a good time somebody engraved your name into that one (laughs) (laughs) and a trophy as opposed to never mind nick is the poop the trophy yep Oh, yep. okay, cool. Yep, that's yep. fine. That's how it is. <laughs> Just wanted to make yeah, sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. At least you got. Yeah, you've got two people in your apartment right now. Yeah. You can you can go to, which is also nice because if one's driving you nuts, you can tell the other one, and vice versa. Probably. Oh, I'm sure there's a there's a there's a hey telephone of all of us driving each other crazy. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure when there's only two people in the room, they're talking about the third person. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've well, seen I... Survivor. I know how it works. <laughs> I just tell my cat everything that my husband's doing that's pissing me off. <laughs> oh, we have a cat too. We actually just uh, got a cat. We got a new cat in January before this all went down. And brand I new cat. Brand new cat. His name is Noodle. Uh, he's the best. Uh, Noodle's great because, yeah, it's nice having uh, an animal in the apartment. And especially a cat because cats are so much more, I feel like, excuse me, I feel like cats are just more cathartic. Like, I, I think dogs are obviously, there's a special connection with dogs and like, but they're more energetic and they like to be out. And because we're very tough of going out and going to places right now, obviously dog parks and stuff are fine, but yeah. just like the comfort of like, I think when you're very stressed and I think with a lot of anxiety and I think with everything going on, there's something about like an animal just coming and just needing to connect with you and you can just like pet them and hold them. And you're just like, you're just like, Oh, like everything's going to be okay. Like, it's just very, very like a nice little, like it's calming. It's calming. Yeah. It's a nice calm. It's a calm that if you feed, it'll keep, being calm with It'll you. It'll continue to be calm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For $10 over two weeks, I feed the calm and the calm comes to me. I feel like I probably buy fancier cat food than you, but that's because <laughs> when we got her, they're like, she has digestive problems. Buy this expensive food. And now it's like, well, oh yeah. It's the most expensive <laughs> calm in the world, but yeah. it's good calm. <laughs> oh, it's such nice, cuddly calm. Yeah. How have you been doing? Have you guys been there? Oh, you know, fine. <laughs> fine, Ryan, we're fine. fine. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm finding time going by like mega quick. Like a yeah. week you know, feels like a day. Like, yeah, you know, like, it's time to go to bed. Monday starts tomorrow. It's because of the, you're doing the same thing. If you do the yeah. same thing every day, which is like everyone I'm sure has their routine um and it's very like monotonous like it's the same it's the same stuff it's like it's the same reason why like you don't remember every time you brush your teeth because you just do it so often oh i do now yeah you do now because that's all you do but i think (gasps) brush my teeth time that's different (laughs) but it just feels like like it's crazy we've been in this like a year year and a half or whatever like i don't even know it's gonna be a year this march and we have to say until the year went by but it's like what did you do in the year and it's like it's hard to be productive and creative it's hard to create new friends and, and have experiences and there's no new experiences to make. So it's just very monotonous, the same routine over and over again. So it's very difficult to create memories. Like it's, it's hard. It's so tough. And, uh, and yeah, I agree. I agree. I just, I just, I've been going to bed and going, I'm going to bed again. Yeah. I'm going to bed again. Like I just did that. Like what? 
Each Why new- do I even get out of this bed? This bed's the best part of my life know, right I now. Know, I know. Each new like special event used to have like a birthday or an anniversary or something used to have like, okay, remember when we went to such and such or we did this thing. Now it's like, remember when we got went high and watched, well, <laughs> yeah, and watched yeah. movies? Oh yeah, well, last year we've been doing. <laughs> so last year for my birthday was right before everything went down and we went, I turned 30 last year. And when I yeah. turned 30, I went to Vegas and I've nice. never been, I've never been there. I've never, I've never traveled much growing up because we were very broke. Like, we're But also you lived day. out in the middle of, you know, it's hard to leave that rock. It's hard. Yes. To it's leave. hard to it's leave Newfoundland. Yeah. It's yeah. expensive to leave it. Yeah. You have to get to Toronto before you go anywhere else. So, yeah. so we went to Vegas and it was crazy and then everything went down. And then this year, my birthday was very different, very lucky. <laughs> but it's just so interesting because your Facebook memories are like, do you remember how fun last year was? And I was like, yeah. I remember. I remember how much it, more fun last year was. It feels like it was oh my yesterday. God. Can, yeah. Can you imagine in like three, four years when your memories start coming up of like the pandemic? It'll just be you and your apartment with various stages yeah. of beard growth. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, remember when we decided to have goatees for a day? Like, that's it. That's all <laughs> we did was experiment with our bodies um, by ourselves. <laughs> You yeah, guys are lucky you have more facial hair to play with uh, in that department. I can't really play. That being said, I didn't, I don't think I've taken advantage of it. I've grown the beard out a few times. I should mix it up. Maybe go mustache. Throw Fu Manchu. We, we've all Boom. been, we've all, we've all been having too long hair and too little hair. We've mm-hmm. either grown our hair as far as we possibly can, because we can't get a haircut. And then when we do get a haircut, we're like, Make it look as short yet good as possible because I'm not going to see you for another six months. Yeah, because yeah. I have no idea when I'm going to be able to see you again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Ryan, we're going to take this way back, way mm. back into the past because, um, because I, I mean, I've had the pleasure of working with you and knowing you for the past uh, several years. I yeah, say been, almost yeah. a decade probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Nick, for for Nick and for our listeners at home who might not be super familiar, let's let's talk about your uh, your art, right? Let's talk about sure. your stand up comedy and maybe how you got into stand up comedy. I think uh, I personally would love to hear about it. I'm sure Nick would love to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's talk let's talk stand up for a bit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I got my start. I wanted to be a stand up comedian forever as a kid. Like I knew I wanted to be a comedian. I knew I wanted to make people laugh. I I, I grew up. Uh, I had a very hard time growing up. Uh, there were a lot of hardships in my family. My family like dealt with, um, you know, like my dad, he passed away when I was very young from an accident at work. Then I lost oh. my grandfather's in like a rep, like a very quick succession after that. So there's just like every two years, like a big painful moment in my family's life. And so with painful moments, there is tension. There is inherent tension yeah. and breaking tension is what comedy is all about. Comedy is about just breaking, t- creating tense tension. And when I say the word tension, not necessarily like, spooky tension just you know tension and then the reason why we laugh is we release that tension and it gives us catharsis so i found one of my favorite things growing up was making my mom and my family laugh because like yeah. everything was really tough so we would laugh the hardest i feel like my family laughed very hard at things because usually things were not fun so when fun things happened they were extra fun so yeah i i feel like you know that's why i gravitated towards like comedies and funny movies and stuff and like so when I got into junior high, I, I never thought you could be a stand-up comedian, especially in Newfoundland. There wasn't really a scene. Like there was like, you know, like Shaman Jamder was on the go. Like there was Newfoundland artists right. and comedians, Codco, 22 Minutes. Right. But like, but there wasn't necessarily a stand-up scene. So like, I, I, and Just for Last would come through from time to time, but that was about it. But I started with the improv games, Canadian improv games. Right. And because I heard about that, 
and then like through did, high school right yeah junior high and high school and then university I was in a couple of sketch troops and they didn't and I, I was like a an instructor with the Canadian prop games like you'd be like a referee and stuff like that at and that was really still? yeah because when okay. you're university so at high school so university students would be the volunteers for the Canadian prop I game. see okay gotcha. so yeah so that's what I did and then you know uh, I remember being in university not having a good time uh, like I was what did like, you what were you studying at university I was at Memorial University I was doing a diploma and I was doing a bachelor of arts mm. uh, but there was a diploma program in film and it was a two-year program that would complement your degree so if you did it you could graduate with a degree and diploma at the same time oh, and because cool. uh, mm. some of the cross the credits will cross over right. so I did an accelerated version of that you could do the whole diploma in one year It'd be, it was a lot of work but uh, it's just basically a bare bones, like basic intro to like film, like film okay. editing, directing, acting. I remember doing well, that. The, I think, the practical much. side of filmmaking. Sorry. Yeah, I practical, very, much, very much the technical, <laughs> practical side. Like uh, Nick, I was, Nick studied film uh, at Western where he learned zero practical skills. Yeah, no, mine was all theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there was no theory. It was very, all very hands-on, which was very fun because I was in a university setting, which is all theory, which is much more, you know, yeah. communicating ideas, uh, academic. So I realized I liked the practical side more and I liked mm. physically editing videos and I liked creating. So my mom looked at me one day and she said, you should drop out of university and move to Toronto to do comedy because that's could what you, you want imagine, to do. Nick, uh, could you imagine our parents saying that to us? I no longer <laughs> believe this podcast. This, I'm out. <laughs> uh, she How did, could she, your mother care and know about you so well? <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she said that to me one day. And I think, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, I had a tough time growing up and she saw, she recognized the only thing that brought me joy was making people laugh and having, you know, doing, having a good time with that. Do you and have siblings? I have one sister. She's, a, she's an engineer. She did mechanical Ooh. engineering at Kona. So it's practical engineering, like very, okay. she works in construction sites and stuff like uh, in like a desk job type right. uh she's very good she's great i love my sister she uh, she wasn't into the arts or anything like that yeah well, she just read my mom just recognized that i was miserable and okay. she told me to move but she was like i'm still not your mother so i still want you to do some school right. so that's when we googled like comedy school toronto which is where the humber comedy program came up so yeah. i was like I'll, I'll do that um and uh so that and when i moved here i was like i saw the stand-up scene for the first time i was like oh you can be a stand-up Mm. you can be a stand-up Ryan so and you wanted to do stand-up comedy but there was no way of doing it there was some open jazz. mics and there was a small scene at the time I wasn't really like it was like there was maybe one open mic at okay. Trapper not Trapper John's at, okay at were you in St. John's then yeah St. John's Newfoundland yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I figured there would have been like mics going on on George Street or something like that. But... Musical open mics, lots of music yeah. open right, mics. There was, sense. and there was the one or two stand-ups, but it wasn't like it's thriving now. There's like a beautiful stand-up scene happening out in the East Coast right now. So I never, so I didn't really start becoming a stand-up till because I was moved here when I was 21. I finished the program when I was 23. So when I was 23, I started really going into stand-up. Like yes. I did some during Humber, but like when I was 23, I really leaned into it. Yeah, because you had um, you had done the conservatory uh, as well. I graduated. Yeah, I graduated the Second City Conservatory and the Humber Comedy Program in the same week. So I had two main stage shows in within seven days of each other for two completely different hour and a half shows. Beautiful. Oh, wow. and a lot of sketches for both, and it was wild. <laughs> I remember that week being wild, and uh, for for twenty three year old me, it was so fun. One week I was doing the conservatory grad show, and the next week I was on stage with like Scott Thompson. Yeah. And I was dressed as Rick Mercer and we were making fun of the East Coasters. It was so fun. That makes um, sense. 
yeah so so that's that all led to my stand-up career starting at 23 years old great uh and i'm 31 now so this will be my eighth year of doing stand-up which is crazy great. not even that long really if you compare it to every other comedian in the city like i know like geez i mean there's some comedians that are 21 22 years old they start when they're 15 and like they and you know like it's wild i don't know everybody what's the deal with cafeteria food <laughs> what's the deal with cafeteria food <laughs> can we talk about math class uh <laughs> But that's where my stand-up, I think the reason why I wanted to be a stand-up comedian because I just felt very like, I think just because I had such a tough time growing up that there was just so much bad stuff happening around me that I just wanted everyone to feel good. Yeah. So I think that's where my stand-up comes from too, is like, I think, I think stand-up can be whatever it wants to anybody. I don't think you can put stand-up in a box and define what it means and what it should be. I think it's whatever the artist uses it for. And what the, um, maybe and what the audience can connect with. And what the audience can connect with. And I think, you know, if you're, I don't care if you're a dirty comic or you're edgy or you're silly or whatever, as long as you are bringing people joy and not hurting anybody, I think that's what stand-up should be. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of my jokes come from just like, you know, I like make fun of things and I'm angry at things. That's where comedy always comes from. But like, I try to have a very nice personal experience with the audience where we can all connect and, and laugh at something together. Um, but yeah. Yeah, those are all that. the words I wanted to say. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I it um in that respect, it sort of reminds me of Stephen Colbert's story and why he got into comedy. Yeah, because he had a lot of personal tragedy when he yeah. was growing up, and and I think we hear that a lot. I think even Conan was talking or his his podcast. He talks about how he, he always wanted to make his mother laugh. You know, like everybody always wants yeah. to. When you see the people around you hurting, you want to find a way to make them. I 100% agree. Yeah. I 100 percent agree. It was my mom I always liked to make laugh because she had the tough time. I because my I was a surprise. Like my mom had me when she was 20 or 21. So like oh, I was okay. like I was very much a surprise. And you know, and my sister came not too long after that. So you know, she her whole 20s was raising kids. So mm. I think that to was be a honest, big part. that's I feel like that's like now being in my late 30s i feel like that's the time you should do it you know yeah <laughs> You've got I mean, all the energy <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean i see i mean to everyone's experience is their own but yes of course <laughs> i can see that my mom but my mom you know she never really got to like i think that's why she wanted me to move and right. go do <laughs> you never got a chance well, that, that's why she wanted me to move to get the <laughs> fuck out of here uh no because i think she just saw that i had an opportunity to be my returns and do what i wanted to do which she never right. got to do i feel like that's why she gave me that blessing oh, that's, um that's yeah, nice so that's, it sounds like you have a nice connection with your mom and i do she, i love my she, mom my mom's great she understands uh your goals and encourages them yeah and don't get me wrong she said listen if this doesn't work out i want you not to you know don't put your whole life into something that's not going to work because i gotcha and, and like you can always go back to school and stuff like yeah and uh luckily it worked out I'm, I'm not doing i'm doing i'm pretty happy with how things are going so yeah uh but yeah no I, i'm very lucky because not a lot of comedians have i think more people are supportive now than ever for people to, to be an artist and a comedian but i know there's obviously a lot of people who don't have that family support for that this support. Kind of thing. so i'm very lucky in that sense uh yeah just noticing comedy now seems to be less about the angry guy and like all these tortured souls and there, mm. there's be like a good crop of people coming up who are relatively well adjusted and kind of happy people yeah i think i think a lot of that has to do with um and i can only speak from my young experience as a comedian but it seems like for every three or three to five years the early comedy scene the young open micer scene 
will try to ape or um, or uh, mirror whatever the hot thing is because because whatever the what hot thing seeing. is yeah so like you know I feel like um, you know like when you look at uh, the '90s like you know your Jim Carrey's and your Robin Williams you know even to an extent like your Eddie Murphy's it was like your big well Eddie be the '80s. Uh, but you're very big characters, like big, yeah. you know, personality. And that's why you got like those movies, like like you, you had your like um, Ace Ventura, uh, you know, anything Robin Williams was in forever. Um, and, and so like big, big characters. So being very animated, the very LA style of comedy of like being very performative. Um, and then like, I think, you know, in the early 2000, early 2010s, when I started, it was all very like, like you said, the torch, like your Louis C.K.'s and stuff. Yeah. Like everyone was like, I'm gross, man. Like, and, <laughs> and, and like, and even before that, but even before that, like when Dane, I remember Dane Cook was really yeah. hot when I was in high school and everyone wanted to be like, yo, what's up? Like that bro-y kind of, yeah, so bro-y bro comedy. And then now I think, I think now because comedy is much more diverse and, and there's a lot more different voices coming in and it's not just all straight white dudes, but even the straight white dudes that do do it, like John Mulaney, it's like, oh, you know, him. people are, I love John my favorite um people are kind of more listening to personal stories and having more empathy with comedy um and that's not to say there isn't room for everything else it's just that's the that's the vibe right now yeah um and uh being very political with comedy i think the past six years because i think comedy has become quite political too because you know when the daily show sparked like so many other political correspondents comedians like you know your samantha b came from there colbert came from there like everyone everything just came from there and they carried that voice for john stewart's voice through different mediums um that's why i think a lot of comedy has become very political the past few years so i feel like whatever the hot thing is people will see them be inspired by that and be like i want to be like that so i think i think it was I'll try um, to emulate it I think. yeah who was it who was it uh what was his name geez what's his name who hosts um this american life uh, Ira Glass. i think it was him i could be i might be misquoting somebody else but i think it was glass who said the reason you get into art the reason when you first become an artist, you start emulating the people you want to be because you have good taste. So like, there's nothing wrong with sounding like, oh, he, he just sounds like a knockoff, whatever. It's like, well, they're inspired by that person. So they're going to sound like that person at the beginning. Until as they, long find... As they find their own voice and yeah. keep going. And like, you know, it's like, it's like you start with a piece of clay that kind of looks like John Mulaney, but then you keep piecing <laughs> it together. So you get you, but that's where it started. But now we're here. So, starts, your so I think it starts looking like Andrew Dice Clay and then yeah, mold yeah. It and mold it. <laughs> so I think that's what stand up is. It's like at the beginning, it's that's why everyone talks about like finding your voice and all this and that. I think it's just and people give and, and you know, comedians are the most cynic Pete assholes in the world. They'll always, you know, shit on anything, <laughs> um, especially the miserable ones. But, you know, I think the reason why people sound like they do at the beginning is because they're emulating what they know. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you know i don't care what it is as long as it's inspiring you to eventually become who you are because you know all those people jim's carries and all those people we grew up with they saw people that made them want to do it right yeah so it all boils down to the first caveman making somebody laugh by bonking someone on the head so we all came from that um I so yeah, love so what when you were at humber what uh what what was the prevalent comic that was standing out i'll tell you for my class and i'm wondering if there's a difference between your class and my class brian i graduated in 2013 i feel like i was just one year ahead of you and for yeah. us it was we were just coming out of the dane cook era and entering like the louis ck era with mm -hmm. like types of comedy I which like you know don't, which i don't think is is 
creating the most ambitious comedians. Well, now if you can, anyway, I remember yeah. some of the behavior of some of the students yeah. in the program, but anyway, my, uh, in my class, they were all obsessed with Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric was like, the uh, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. so Tim they Eric, all yeah. strived for strove for like yeah. that very bizarre sketch yeah. comedy, which like, I love Tim and Eric, but oh, I don't I think, yeah, I just, I don't think just anybody can pull off Tim and Eric, you know? Yeah. Like, and Dave, and Dave Chappelle too, like Dave Chappelle sketches the yeah. Chappelle show was obviously a huge inspiration for a lot of people that were coming up with me also um and that was like when, when he was ending Keen Peele was kind of getting started ish I'm getting my timelines mixed up but like that and like uh, yeah Tim and Eric a lot of internet humor piling on into the mainstream right, right? right. and uh, getting shows and, and like and more independent stuff so yeah that was definitely part of it but I was I, I never I was I'm really bad at paying attention to like famous sketch troops and stuff like that like I love Kids in the Hall. I watched Codco a lot when I was young because I was Newfoundland. Yeah, they like, probably forced you to, right? Yes, it's, <laughs> that's the that's that's how you get your birth certificate. You have to watch four seasons of Codco. My, I'm interested to know a bit more about uh, your process, your writing process, uh, how you put, <laughs> and um, yeah, in general, and then maybe we could talk about how it's changed during the pandemic, since obviously mm. you can't go out every night to. Yes. So yes. my old way was very much like. I the I feel like there's two different ways of writing. There's active and there's passive. Like some people can just sit down and be like, I'm gonna write jokes today. I'm gonna write jokes about this. And I know some comics are like that. And other people like they just get an idea, write it in their notebook, and then they like riff it on stage. And I'm kind of like a half and half. Um, I used to be really good at it. I used to like think of all my write anything I wrote down at the end of the week, every Sunday or Saturday, whatever I had like an hour or two to myself, I would go through it all and write it out. But a lot of it was like to me is like, it's like having an idea, figuring out what the premise is, making sure the premise is very, now, okay, I'm mixing this all up. When I was bad at standup, <laughs> I would just, you know, toss everything out there and just go up and write on stage, which some works for some people. And it's still a pretty good way to do it. Um, as long as you record it and edit, recording and editing is what I'm better at now. Usually I just go up and do it. Oh, I got a laugh, then it's a laugh. But now I'm like, that doesn't necessarily mean it's done or good or true. Right. So what so, did that look like? Were you going on stage with like cue cards or did you just have like a like set amount of ideas that you want to like? Uh, I would only do cue cards if I was doing like a festival or a taping or a big showcase, like, because it just helps with like, it's like, a I don't know, I did it once for my first showcase. And like, now that's like a muscle memory thing of like tradition mm -hmm. of like, I got to write it all out. Even though I know it, I just got to write it on cue cards, look at it at the cue cards, then, then I go up. But I bring my notebook on stage to like shitty open mics where nothing matters. You just, you bring your notebook up, everyone does. But I try to memorize it the best I can and uh, give myself room. But I find the moment that I always do the best flash in the pan moments of writing is there's like a 10 minute window right before you're up. Like say mm -hmm. I'm fifth on the show, the fourth com the, the third or fourth comics up. I'm like, okay, Ryan, you're on in two comics. I'm like, okay. So whatever I was doing, talking to kids, talking to people in the green room, talking to friends, I'd be like, okay, now I got to spend the next 10 minutes thinking of just my set. So that's like a crucial 10 minute period where like, I'm just so focused. I'm going and that's when I have like a oh what if and then like write something down try it right in that moment because you're so focused on the set in those 10 minutes like everything mm -hmm. else disappears and that's when I would do some of my favorite little writing moments and little flash in the pan moments or, or callbacks or you know uh, mind mapping or whatever you want to call it like that's when I find like a de-association or whatever and I'm like oh and that's gone now so it's like that's tough because that's when I would that's why I would go to as many mics as I could especially when I first started 
is because that little 10 minute window would always come up with the best stuff. Oh man, I would never, like, that's like the opposite of my experience. Oh, yeah. Like the last moments, I would always just be listening to the standups thinking like, well, maybe I could speak to this. And then I'd end up talk, trying to like, I'd change my set, what I had planned to do and be like, I'll talk about what this guy said. And it never went well, ever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm shouting. We don't do that then, Brie. I know. I, I couldn't. I was compelled every time. I was like, I'm going to comment on what something else or somebody else commented. And it's like, Brie, just stick to your shit for crying out loud. Anyway, sorry. I just love that the experience of like that period before you go up on stage is an intense period. And I'm glad that yours is way more productive. <laughs> but but own, everyone is so different, right? Like I know like I have to, I like writing everything down and having like a log, like I use Evernote to like categorize, like, cause I'm just, that's who I am. But like Andrew Barr, who's one of my best friends in comedy, he like, I talk to him about, we write, I love talking to jokes about Andrew Barr. He's such a good joke writer. And like, we'll just riff on jokes and stuff, but he's like, he'll write, he sits down and actively writes, but he's like, oh, I don't really write anything down. It's just all in my head. And I'm like, fuck you. You're, yeah. you're physically writing right yeah, now as you I'm say like, this. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> you, you wrote that you, down. <laughs> I know, and I'm like, you memory. He's like, you don't write anything down. I'm like, you're a psycho. I'm like, there are dead people in your walls. What are you talking about? You have buried corpses. I don't believe that. But he, he does. That's how he works. But he's and it works for him. So I, that's why when people are like, when people ask me like, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't, I don't think that matters. I think I think you just got to figure it out for yourself if you're getting yeah. into it and stuff. Like, it's so different for you. Got to find what works for you and 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 just be motivated to keep doing it. So how many mics were you getting before before the end times? <laughs> before the end times. I mean, again, I think it's important to mention that that uh, Ryan is is a little bit past just the mic scene too, though. Like Mike, you're getting booked on a lot more stuff than when you were just hitting mics. Oh, sorry, yeah. I guess I, no, yeah. that's a fair question though, because like I think I think there's an interesting thing to be said about you know when I first started, I was hitting every mic I could. And then, what does that look like though? Like, where are the clubs for that? Is it so just it would be like so a standard when I was like so if I was when I was twenty five years old, two years in stand up, it would be like, you know, Tuesday night. You, you every week you'd email to call Yuck Yucks to get on the Tuesday night amateur night. Okay. Um, absolute. I never. <laughs> I have a story about Absolute. I kind of weaseled my way just to start working for Absolute without really doing the open mic that much, and I'm I'm not going to talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> I don't want anybody else to know how I did it so that I start doing it because that's my <laughs> secret and I'll die with it. But, um, but you would, you, so you would try to get on the amateur night on Wednesday, on Wednesday nights at absolute Tuesday night would be yuck yucks. And then you would have the Tuesday night mics at comedy bar. So you go to the bucket and sign up. Sundays would be the Ossington. Um, Rest or Mondays peace. or Mondays would be more Mondays more recently I was doing. if I'm going back to 2014 2015 oh my god remember the oh like Sonic crown on Tuesday nights Sonic oh. Crown and Tiger on Saturdays um uh what was the one that the Vesta friends ran for a time yes at the, at the Celts pub on Wednesday nights mm. uh so there's Celts on Wednesday nights you got your yuck yucks on Tuesday you've got um comedy bar on Tuesday you had uh um Celts, I think, was on Mondays. It was the one Joanna Downey used to run. Oh, Spirits. But that there was a book go. show. That's not an open oh, mic. Okay. That was like, you had to be... If, I remember Spirits being the show. Because uh, I only just... I know when Jen, jo, jo passed away, I only met her briefly, like, once. Because I, I started when I was 23. And I wasn't really into the scene. So, like, I only met her, like, just for once. She said something very nice to me. But that was it. I only had one experience with her. Um, 
when she rest in peace. But I, I was more Cal Post when he ran it. Like that right. was more for me. For gotcha. Spirits. I remember Spirits was the show. Like, yeah, once you start doing that, people are like, you're a pro. Because like they would only have the best on it. I remember when I started doing that, I felt like, oh, I'm a, I'm part of the scene now. I love that show. I miss that show. But yeah, in terms of open mics, oh my god, I would I would go to at least one a night, maybe five or six nights a week. Um, and sometimes you just sign up and not get up. I remember Sonic on Tuesdays. Oh my god, Sonic on Tuesdays. Bandad ran that. Bandad's a lunatic. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard of this show. I've never heard of Sonic. Where is Sonic? Oh really? Sonic yeah. was at spadina and college just south of the burger king it was a place called sonic it was the bar and you you would go and be this tiny bar and you go up this tiny flight of stairs and there's this <laughs> tiny little attic room and you'd have this corner with a microphone and you could sit maybe like 12 people if you really packed it in but it was a great show because those 12 people were so packed together you'd be forced to really listen and pay attention right mm. that's it man comedy works best when it's condensed i agree i agree when everyone's pushed together which yeah. is why it's so hard to do right now exactly um <laughs> but uh yeah sonic was always wild and there was i remember tuesdays there would be like five mics you could do on a tuesday it was freaking crazy oh, nick you're uh, not aware of this because you're not you've never done stand-up comedy but there's a document on facebook that lists every single open mic in the city oh that that's really handy to have <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm curious to look at the history of it because i don't know if you can look at history of edits on that doc because it'd be so fun to go back and go oh yeah i remember that show i remember that show i remember that show yeah how um, many have changed and changed yeah. hands and but before before this i was probably doing more just book shows like comedy bar a lot yuck and i got signed with yuck so i was doing like road gigs on the weekend um you know a couple of little mini tours on these coasts and then you know, there comes to a point where you're like, I don't need to go to every open mic, but every mic's much more important because now that you know how to write a joke, how to piece together things and stuff like that, you would be more comfortable not hitting every mic because you trust yourself more and you're like, okay, I know how to do this. I just need to test it now. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, so once you get those skills, I feel like, and there'll be the hardcore hustler and grinders that go out still all the time, but you know, that kind of gets old because you need, what are you going to start writing about? You All you can write about is either things you saw on the internet or you start becoming the comic who writes jokes about comedy, which I don't oh. want to do. I don't want to be that. Um, so I think it's important to like gain, you know, go out and live a life so you have yeah. something to talk about. Um, so I wasn't near the end there. I was probably more doing three or four shows a week that were on my own in terms of going to get stage time to practice stuff, um, as opposed to the five or six I was doing before. But yeah, that's because think- on the other nights I was like getting paid. So. Right. That's a good reason. I think I mixed up the term mics with sets. Mm. Ah. I, I guess mics is just mics is just open mics. Is that mm. what it refers to? Yeah. So a mic would be just like a mic where you can just sign up, go up, or send a message. A yeah. book show. I say a book show because it's like you can't just sign up. They already have a pre-booked ahead of time, yeah. and then there'd be like your gigs, right? Um, and whatever everything. And there's all the other stuff that's outside in, in between. Uh, but in terms of like how many times was I getting out before this? I mean, a lot. Uh, there'd be peaks and valleys where some months not so much than others because I had other stuff going on or if I was filming something or, or going to the East Coast to do some shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty like violently more set sets than I am doing now because I'm doing none. Uh, right. uh, which yeah. is, yeah, which is a great point. Like, have you experienced or tried any of these Zoom I've done a bunch. Stand-up I've shows. done so much. Cool. I've done, I did like a whole bunch during Christmas, a bunch of corporate stuff that, you know, mm. it's like, it's like all the decimals on the pay gigs and the pay sheets have one, the decimals move like one to the left. Like it's not, right. 
as much yeah. money as it is because it's just not but is it was it through yuck yucks that you booked your corporate gigs predominantly just this is just out of curiosity so, so before this my past two christmases were mostly yuck yucks and some okay. of my own stuff but 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 christmas this past christmas comedy bar gave me a lot of gigs oh that's great uh, mm. yeah comedy bar and i have a nice relationship and i love that crew and those folks so i had a lot from them is it uh, ian booking it or i'm not sure it was, I think it, was, oh, it, it, was it was aaron yeah and jen and then it switched over to another guy because jen left right uh jen's the best aaron uh lover i love jennifer's child anyway. um <laughs> the best uh how cute and, are her children anyway it doesn't matter okay <laughs> they're freaking cute <laughs> Um, yeah, and then my own stuff, people in Newfoundland. I got signed to a manager last year, so oh, like a couple of things. Yeah, he's really great. Jake Hirsch, Jake Hirsch Entertainment. He's he's awesome. He I've never had a manager before. And Is this a, more for your stand-up or for yeah, like just stand up? He doesn't match no, 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 he doesn't take anything from acting. I'm with, I'm okay. with Butler Rustin Bell for acting, but he's great. my manager for stand-up. He's he's the best. He like makes you feel good about <laughs> yeah. we were gonna go on tour uh, in the East Coast. I have a huge, I was going to, because he reps Trent McCullen on 22 Minutes. Okay. And, and he does a lot of like theater shows out, theater tours in Newfoundland and Labrador, because that's where he's from. So we, he was going to, Jake was going to start like building me on that path. So that in a few years, I start headlining like theaters and stuff yeah. like that and building that. And then we had our first, we had everything planned for this past fall to start putting the built box together to book stuff. And then COVID hit. So right. it's just mm -hmm. been like, ah, fuck. We're just <laughs> standing by waiting for when it can all work yeah, out. Yeah, for people to be able to gather again. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. I guess looking looking to the future, like um, when you're going out on an East Coast tour and stuff, is that fun or is it like more work and tiring? I to it's not okay. It's interesting. It's more work. I I mean, it is tiring because you get tired, but I'm not. Because but I'm not saying tiring in a sense like I'm like excited. It's not work anymore because I'm excited. My my I live my best life when I'm touring and doing shows. Oh, and, cool. like, and I'm like, I, I love like, I love everything about doing shows. I love like getting ready. I love putting my material together. I feel focused. I feel I have, I have purpose. I feel like I'm, I'm I want to bring the best show to these people because they came out to see me and I want them to have the best time. I want to, I put production value in it. I want to make sure like the light is good. And I'm like, everyone should be mm. set real close. I'm like, we should dim the lights here. Like, cause I'm like, I want to have like just the best way to make the, to bring the show alive. I love, uh, I love Ryan is people. also a, uh, his, your side gig is as a photographer. So you know about all of this stuff too, which is very. Yeah, I don't do it anymore because I don't need okay. to do it anymore. Okay. I used to be working with like a wedding photography company. Uh, I was their assistant and did video editing for them. And the owner used to do comedy and he, he brought me in and like, I don't like with the pandemic obviously going on, I don't need it as much. I don't do it anymore right um, but i think it's my, a good amount of skill to like a good oh yeah oh i love it i love photography as a hobby anyway i just like photos it's just fun to take photos but i because i know how to use that tech and that gear even the camera i'm using right now is my camera camera i like recording my sets and like making sure it all looks great and like so that's i don't look at it as such a cliche but it's like not work that everything i do to get it to happen is work. going to open mics is work Writing the yeah. jokes is work. Seeing what works, like networking and showcasing, that's the work. Doing the tours and doing the shows, that's the reward. And that's the part that is the work, but it's like, that's when it's the best. Yeah, but I, yeah, I can see like at this point, you're not writing, you're on stage. You get to bask in what you know works and what you know is going to get a good response. You know, you get- On tours and stuff, yes. On when tours, it's, yeah, sorry, not- like, Okay, here's the 45 minutes that I know that worked. Yes, mm -hmm. that is when it's like, this is, this is, 
great. And that can go wrong and still work. Like you, sometimes you have a bad show and you're like, okay, this audience is not feeling, I really got to work for it. You know what I mean? Like right. I can't just be all in the moment. I got to be like, okay, they're a really tired crowd. It's Friday night, Friday night show. Okay. That means they've been working all day. They've been working all day. They went out for dinner first. They're lethargic. They're tired. They're hungry. So I should be a little bit more energetic than tonight right. and really try and bring them together and be more mm-hmm. empathetic towards like they might be a little tired and match that energy, but trying to bring them like there's those things you start thinking about. That's when it's work, right? I find it so fascinating. The amount of uh, like control you have over an audience when you're a, an effective stand-up comedian, you know? Yeah. That's my favorite part is when my favorite part is when, you have them right in your hand and they're all paying. That's why I like telling stories. I think I like telling stories because I like tension and I like making them lean forward, like what's going to happen next and surprising them. Nothing, like it's funny, everyone loves the last, but I love the silence. I love when they're completely quiet, like- They're hanging hmm, on to your- what, Yeah, what is, what yeah. is going to happen? And then that, then that pop and, <laughs> and they just lose their fucking minds. And it's like, that's, <laughs> that's magical. That's like, and everyone's in a room together experiencing that together. And that's an energy that like watching content online can't create. Um, like you can't, that's, and you will remember that night. People will leave going, oh, we saw that comedian. That was fun. Mm-hmm. And like, and like when we were talking about like monotony of the pandemic mm-hmm. and like how everything just, all your memories just kind of blur together. That's mm-hmm. what I love about doing live shows because people remember going to a thing because they had to put on a, they had to get dressed up. They, they put on their nice clothes. They've invited friends, their date, their lover. And we're like, let's go do this. And they did it. And they talked about it after the dinner. Like, what was your favorite part? Like they created memories, they created joy. And like, that's the, that's what I get out of it. It's like, that's oh, his, his joke about this. Oh my God. I can't. Oh, did you hear what he said about yet. birds? He talked about <laughs> birds for so long. I think that guy just talks about birds. <laughs> he knows birds and we've seen birds. <laughs> <laughs> He talked about birds. I know what birds are. I know. Are. I have you know, it's about It's about connecting with the audience. Right. Uh, of course. Uh, speaking of which, I was driving today. This gigantic bird flew out of nowhere. I still don't know what it was. I think it was a pterodactyl. Just saying. Probably. Yeah. It probably was. <laughs> They're Long coming out of the pandemic. It's nature returning. Uh, nature is healing. The pterodactyls are back. Right. All those dolphins in Italy. Now the pterodactyls. It's, it's logical. Um. I love it. That's great. I can't wait to go back out to like a an event where that many people are. Just I can't wait to go to <laughs> an event. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, can't wait to go to an event. I can't wait to click yes attending. Look at and us all together go. breathing the same air. It's great. Oh God. <laughs> Who coughed? <laughs> so okay, so you've done some of these Zoom shows. Yeah. Uh, you did a bunch uh, over the holidays. I did one last night. I right. did one last night. I did one for Rumors Comedy in Winnipeg Club. Oh, fun. I'm doing Zoom show. That was awesome. It was so fun. Great. Rita yeah. Lopez was yeah. on the show. John Hastings. It was great. It was and so great. How does the audience interact uh, in, in this case? Are they, you know, know what's so funny? As a good Zoom show is just like a good club. Like it, it depends on the production value and the rules they enforce to make it a great experience for everybody. So, like, Rumors did a great job last night. Rumors would have like an assistant. Like almost like a production assistant on zoom or, or like a, someone then what they would do is they have everyone be able to turn on their mics and cameras so they comedians can see them and they don't have to it's their choice um and you know we would ask hey leave your mic so we hear the laughter and bring the energy up the host would okay. say that and then what they would do is someone would be watching all the screens and then like you know everyone would watch and pay attention but you know you, someone comes over and goes hey do you want to drink like yeah can you get me a like so like we don't want to hear that during the show so mm-hmm. they'd be standing by as soon as someone starts doing that they would mute them Perfect. Uh, which and then, and then they say you can unmute yourself. We would say if we mute you, 
it's no offense, just maybe you started talking, you didn't realize, and they communicate that so the audience doesn't feel like they're being shamed or anything like that because they just right. made a simple mistake. Um, and that gives them the trust to want to, because I've noticed one person, I saw them uh, during one comic set, a woman was like clearly on an iPad trying to make it work. Like she was having mm. some technical issues. Whoa. And she said, I think I'm going to turn it up. And we heard that. So she got muted. And then she noticed she got muted. Went, and like, we saw the physical like, <laughs> and then she unmuted herself, but then set it down. And then we could hear her laugh. So oh, like, you know, cause no one wants, cause it, cause it's much more for the zoom show. People know who the person is ruining the show. Cause you got your name now. <laughs> uh, so it's like, fuck that. Shut up. You um, can tear into them. Yeah, but I think people are more generous and play because, like, you know, no one wants to be because we've all done so many Zoom meetings and hangs mm -hmm. that no one likes tech issues and no one likes being that person. So it's mm -hmm. interesting. I obviously it will never replace actual live stand up, but I actually don't hate the Zoom shows. Every comedian I know hates right. them, but I'm like, ah, they're, they're, because it was ran, probably we had a hundred people watching the show. Oh, beautiful. And uh, they nice all friend. had a good time. The, the club said some very nice things in an email afterwards that, and that was great. So like, I think as long as the work is put into it, there's been, I've been on Zoom shows where some just, you know, some comic put their friends together and everyone's talking and like, oh my God, like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. but that's like any other bad show you've been on, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of work being done on the more technical end of it too, where you can sort of, sometimes you'll get people who are able to pop up like, oh, uh, somebody watching the show texted something or commented something about, oh, the, you know, this resonated me. I'm sure they right resonated, but like, ah, ha, ha, birds, for example. Uh, and then yeah. you see it pop up down at the bottom and it's a way for them to get engaged in a way that you can't necessarily do when you're mm. in an audience in a real club, right? Mm. Yeah. We could see we could see different reactions than you would normally get to see when you're supposed to be quiet except for when you're laughing, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with the online Zoom improv shows anyway. What is an online Zoom improv show like? Because I'm not gonna lie, that sounds like a nightmare for me. I I miss. I haven't done improv in years. I love improv. I think it's fun. Uh, I uh, you know, there's obviously the classic jokes about it all, but still, it's still a good time. But what is that like? Oh, it's fun. I suppose it depends on what you're what style of improv you're doing like i prefer yeah. just like a nice little duo scene because you're still able to make things up on the spot you don't necessarily have to you know be on a stage to do that i think it gets more complicated the more people you have with online comedy this is something that didn't exist until basically this year so the technology's come along hugely um but i'm thinking live, like, you mean like like live digital comedy. yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, yeah, obviously yeah, people sure. put up sets of themselves on youtube before, mm. for sure yeah i'm just like this could be a huge new thing for comics to, to to get access to smaller communities and shit like if you're in the middle of south dakota it's not like you're going to see a lot of live comedy especially if you're a young person but like you could yeah. tune into the uh like the well, even doing rumors line. even doing rumors last night like winners is rumors is in winnipeg and like yeah i and like i was i didn't it's funny i did the winnipeg comedy festival just in the fall like a very micro they they scaled everything back but it was still great it was uh, but they you know the rumors was there and i was like next to the club and i was like i can't even perform in there because of what's going on right now mm. but i got to do a digital set for them and that was super fun and they were great uh, yeah, I think this is an interesting way to do it. I think like Zoom shows like this might continue in some capacity for a while. I don't think it'll ever replace live stand-up. We look out through our history, actually, stand-up thrives post-depression uh, and eras like after the Great Depression, after World War II, after the Spanish flu. If you go back, you can see that stand-up because it's the cheapest form of entertainment. You need a microphone, a speaker, a stage, which costs nothing. Um, also, 
in context, and then I've had this conversation with a few other comedians about, this is kind of not answering your question, by the way, I apologize. I'm kind of more talking about how I think stand-up is going to return with a big swing when this is over. Yeah. Um, but I will get back to answering your question. But I think, I think when this is over, especially in Canada, because Canada for sure likes to think it's America sometimes in terms of how it consumes entertainment. Like if you look at the CTV, Canadian, whatever channel, it's half the Big Bang Three all the time. That's super yeah. frustrating. Uh, but think about it. When this is over, when, when the vaccines start to roll out, we're still not going to open up our borders. Like you're not going to see, you know, Lady Gaga's not going to be at the Rogers Center anytime soon, or John Mulaney's not going to be at the Danforth. But even just anybody, like any big act, isn't going to be able to come through because one, travel restrictions. Two, um, you know, they're not, not everything's not just going to open willy nilly like 100% when the vaccine rolls out. It's going to be a slow rollout. So during that slow rollout, local art and local artists, musicians, Communities are going to thrive because you can only have up to 100 people at a thing first. So people are going to be so itching for live entertainment again that people are going to go out and support local. Like, you know, people are going to go fill the Horseshoe Tavern when it may be not be full. Comedy Bar on a Tuesday night when it's usually dead will be packed. Like, it'll it, it'll be a cool thing of like people are like finally things are back to normal. I want to go do things. Like, there's going to be a boom of that. It'll level off when we bring back in American acts and and, and traveling and tours and stuff like that. But there will be a good thriving moment. As for live shows like this, I think people are going to start blurring the line more of like connecting to their audiences. It's like you said, being able to connect to mm -hmm. a small audience that you never expected to before, like with Instagram Live and TikTok Live and yeah. Live Live apps and YouTube Lives. Like people are going to realize that they can adapt things and expand their audience. Like nothing says you can't. People were already before doing their shows on like Instagram Live or whatever, but now they realize people might actually sit around and watch it and, and check it out. So I think, I think, it'll not be like it is now. It will definitely drop off, but I think it'll be an option for people to connect with their audiences and stuff. I think it's a, a, an excellent um, way to bring in more accessibility to, to comedy, uh, especially if we consider like a lot of the clubs in Toronto are not physically accessible spaces. No, they all demand several stairs to gain access to before entering them and so obstacle the, courses of you know general description. Yeah. Uh, so in that way, I think it's a, it's definitely been an advantage. Um, yeah, some people can't go out. Some people have, you know, there's difficulties. And listen, there's going to be some people who have different levels of going out right away. For sure. And there yeah. are people who have health restrictions that make it very difficult to go out. Mm -hmm. I have friends who have diabetes and Crohn's that have like not left their house in eight months because they know if they get sick, they'll get sick. Yeah. Um, so the idea of seeing live entertainment, it's like, yeah, I think we're going to start seeing like things like, you know, you'll see your huge concert happen at the Rogers Center, but if you pay a premium, you'll be able to see it in your living room with like multiple camera angles done live. Kind of yeah. like how movies right now that are coming out in theaters, but they can't release them all. Theaters are getting like same day mm. releases. So it's yeah. like video on, like, because Wonder Woman was like 30 bucks on video on demand. Yeah. If you couldn't go out and see it. But like, you know, some people are like, some people can afford that. Some people are like, I just want to be in my home. So yeah. I think we're going to see the lines blurred of like when the availability of art is and it's going to be interesting to see where that goes i just hope that it doesn't hurt artists anyway as a benefit towards them financially and artistically than before yeah i was just thinking like i wonder if uh, if like the comedy bar would have uh somebody live streaming a show at the same People, time i think it's, i think that's gonna be artist dependent like i don't think comedy bar itself because it's not like I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe they could, but I think it would have to, I think it's the artist, the producer of the show's job to be in charge of that. Like, I don't, because that would be, because then you'd have to negotiate, because then when you book, because the way Comedy Bar works is you just book the room and you just do your own thing. Comedy Bar will tech it for a fee, 
but like they don't have any say on the material or anything like that. So I think yeah, you would have to uh, bring somebody in with the capacity yeah. to live stream your show. Yeah. To a, and to it's a, not that hard. You can just connect to the, exactly. Yeah. And you can connect to the Wi-Fi, and you can just do that with any camera system. And, mm-hmm. and if you, anybody who knows their left and right with tech can make that happen. No problem. I mean, just five cell, five iPhones on a tripod will do that. Mm. Uh, so um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll be interesting what happens next. But I just know that when live shows come back, it'll come back hard and strong because people miss yeah. being in a communal experience. You you can't get rid of the human experience like that. Yeah, it's, I'm it's, I'm super looking forward to my first Jays game after all this is done. I cannot wait. To it's go gonna to be nuts. Like game. people are gonna I'm be pumped. I can't wait to go to a Jays game. I can't wait to hug my friends. I can't wait mm. to do stand up. I gonna repeat i cannot wait to do stand up for my people again uh, i cannot wait to do stand up again uh i can't wait to you go heard sit it here down first. at mcdonald's restaurant <laughs> you heard it first. Oh God. Ryan stoked to come back to do stand up um, <laughs> um yeah oh that's amazing i was uh, I, a lot of people popcorn you can Sorry. still eat popcorn oh my God, not, not the same not the it's same it's not i have a popcorn machine i make my own popcorn at home i have seasoning i have butter but it's not the bag at empire theaters i'll tell you what the problem is you need the right salt as somebody who worked at a movie theater for many years i have perfected the art of popcorn in my house it tastes like movie theater popcorn and i can't wait to invite you both over to eat some i can't (laughs) wait i will have some popcorn (laughs) it's a it's all in the flavor call baby anyway the salt type substitute that they put to make their popcorn look more yellow <laughs> anyway huh. uh, let's talk about i want to po- talk about something you posted on facebook and it was about how you uh, were struggling throughout the pandemic to mm. write to to basically get up and do the things that you love to do and that it yeah. sounds like it sounds like something happened something awoke in you and all of a sudden you're like I got to get. Back. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've had a hard time with um, anxiety and depression my entire life. It's been something I've lived with and it's, it's something a lot of people do. And I think this pandemic has not been kind to that. Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing has been the severe lack of sense of purpose. Cause I think, mm. I think, I think there was a weird pressure to be creative during a time when people are like sick and dying and right. then at the same time, it's like, you know, my strengths are doing stand-up and live performance. Whereas like, you know, there's some, and I, and I you know, when you go on social media, which is the devil, which will make you always <laughs> feel bad. Yes. Um, you see people who thrive in that format and that medium of like podcasts and uh, making sketches and little videos, which I never really was, did before, which I'm getting into now and I'm starting to enjoy it, but like, which I didn't realize from before, but still, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, and I'm, I'm very bad at comparing myself to other people, which I have gotten a lot better at over the years, but we all do it. Um, sure. and, you know, and social you media something... makes it so easy, right? It's so easy. Oh, it's so easy. And, and, and I just felt like, and then like, it's like what we were talking about before, man, about time flying by so fast. And I think when I hit my birthday hit, when I turned, like, I knew my birthday was coming up and then like, Christmas was almost over. And I was like, what have I done in the past year? Like, you didn't I mean, die. Yeah, I, I didn't die. But like, and I know I did, I did, I did Winnipeg, but I booked that before the pandemic. Like that, I didn't have to really do anything else during the pandemic to get that. That was already set in stone like a year ago. So during the pandemic, what did I do? And it's like, you know, I, I, I took a TV writing class and got half a pilot, which is fun, but like, 
you know, I didn't like, I didn't, I wanted to take, this was going to be the year that I wanted to like take acting classes and get more TV roles and like, and, and put, and, put, and save up money. I wanted to pay off debt and like get my finances in order. I had all these plans to like, you know, like I, my girlfriend and I had plans for our relationship to move to the next step in some ways. And, and it was just, you know, like, and that it just all got stopped. And yeah. like the tour I was going to do, my manager was going to happen. And that stopped. Right. And I was like, and it just felt like, and it's one of those things like everybody felt this way. I have to remind, and that's what I got reminded from my friends. Like everyone did, did, had to do this. So you're not the only one feeling it, but that doesn't negate that you feel like that. And I just kind of had a moment where I looked in the mirror, like I put on weight and, and like, I was not, I was just like not doing anything. I was playing way too many video games. I was playing so many video games just to feel something. But like, I, and like, and the reason why I was also playing a lot of video games though, like the other side of that is that you talk on the headset set with your friends like what right. you're playing so that was like it was very much a social thing so I, I feel like I was just like playing just to hear people's voices um and that just like I had some peaks and valleys but I got the biggest valley during Christmas because I couldn't go home mm. and right. everyone in the east coast could was this your first sort of Christmas away from home or no I've had Christmases here okay. but I've had Christmases here with Hannah or, or with my friends, like I go to like, you know, we go to the comedy bar Christmas party or like, right. uh, I remember years ago, Shirley Whalen and I, another comic who I love, uh, Shirley and I made an orphan Christmas at Clinton's pub. We messaged, uh -huh. we put a Facebook field or any comedian that can't go home for Christmas or is alone. Uh, Shirley and I went to Honest Dead's at the time, bought a bunch of stuff for a dollar, bought like 30 <laughs> things for a dollar, like socks, a pack of gum, wrap them, put them in a bag. And they said, there's a gift for you. There's a gift for Cute. you to open come to Clinton. And like, those little, but that's like experienced people. But like, here I was, and don't get me wrong, I was with Hannah and Danny, which is great. And, and that was lovely. But like, you know, like seeing all my friends back home be able to hang out and like seeing people back home doing shows. I just was like, what did I do the past year? I was like, nothing. I didn't do anything to benefit myself. I didn't learn anything. I didn't grow. I, didn't, I wasn't artistically feeling uh, fulfilled. And I just got sad. I got so sad and I got sad about, I felt shitty about myself. I felt bad about myself. I felt like, and all the dark demons that have been in my life, which is like, I have severe anxiety about how people think about me. I mm. have had times where I've had panic attacks thinking the world hates me. Like it's just been a bad time. And I remember just thinking, I had a moment of going, you know, well, what did I do to make sure that didn't happen? And it's like, I didn't try. And I didn't put any effort in to even, cause like, just because it's a pandemic, you can still try and do your best, which I didn't mm. do. So, you know, I set myself a goal. I said, you know, if I could just do one thing this month and I was like, I'm going to run 100 kilometers. That's a I, lot of kilometers, I, by the way. I, I, I was like, if I can run 100 kilometers this month, I can say I did something. And I started and I had, I got like my girlfriend, about a year ago got me like a watch that tracks all my stuff and I only I never really right. used it mm. but I started tracking um my runs and like my first run I was like oh my god I did like everyone kind of does like the five five kilometers is like your like threshold like what's your 5k I think is what some of those people will say sure. like and like yeah. and like it took me my first time I ran 5k in January 1st it took me 39 minutes and the app will show what your heart rate was like and it was just like all over the place. Like I was like out of breath, stopping, like, oh my God. Mm. And I've tried running before. I've tried exercise before, but I always give up because I get too winded. I'll yeah. let you know if I just, I just, I said, don't push yourself anymore. Just take your time. Be mm. slow. Like don't run. Even if you need to walk, at least be slow and build up to it. And in 30 days, I went from 39 minutes 
to do 5k to 28 minutes to do 5k and that's a it's like a measurable improvement. improvement yeah well i never and i don't have anything compared to i don't have any really other people to talk to about i brought i brought up to my buddy alex and he was like what like he's like that's a crazy good time and i was like is it i feel like i'm bad at everything uh, <laughs> but and again and i've been and you know it's so funny i'm depressed i'm not depressed but well, i anyway i am but this week has been depressing because for the first time i feel bad because i can't run because it's so right. cold out oh, yeah. and like i and yesterday i went i i was going outside and i was slipped in the back alley mask because there's just that sleep of oh, ice because of the weather yeah. you've had and mm-hmm. i'm like i can't and i'm like and i'm just like feeling bummed because i can't run because running makes me feel better and when i run i think about my goals and i think i can do it and it makes me and when i'm done running i'm like okay well now i'm gonna clean this up now i'm gonna write like this i'm i feel less motivated to be playing video games so like after a run i'm like just keep going and yeah that was huge and like and you know and i posted about it and, you know, we all see these big Facebook posts of like people being like, you know, here's something I did and being proud of themselves. And, you know, I think because I'm a comedian and so many comedians are cynics that it's oh, very course. like, oh, here we go. One of those posts. But it's like, you know what? Like the reason why I started running was because I saw people like Ben Miner and Matt O'Brien and these other comedians post their workout goals and their results. And it's been them posting about it made me go, well, now I want to do it. Mm. And then I started doing it and getting results. So I was like, well, now I'll post about it because if somebody sees that, they're like, well, maybe I can do it. And like, I think that's a good thing. And, and I think that's when social media should be used. And I think because of comedy and the arts comparing yourself to other people that you're not supposed to be proud. Like you, especially in Canada, you're supposed to be very humbled all the time, but you know, take those moments to be like, I fucking did something then and, and tell people about it because that'll inspire other people to do stuff too. So I- And it's also a good, good way to, uh, to sort of remind yourself of what you accomplished. You yeah. Know? Like yeah, it's- yeah. It's yeah, and I think like you should be grateful. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I did this fucking thing. I'm I'm allowed to feel good yeah. about it. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree. And like, and like, you know, it's and you know, it, it's your social media. They came here to follow you. I'm like, you you can fucking hit on follow. I don't care anymore. I used to get too caught up on yeah. stuff like that. I'm like, who cares? If you're not here to be supportive, then like, go, then go, just go. Why are you here? Um, exactly. Why are you here? You're here, dude. You're the one that came here. <laughs> um, one of my. That's not my fault uh so that was like a big thing was like just feeling i think because because all i knew was going out and doing open mics every night and doing auditions and taking photos and all three of those things took got taken away from me so it's like i can adapt and learn and keep trying or i can just sit around and be bummed Mm. and now i want to say i want to look back over 2021 when 2022 comes i want to be like i did so much even if it wasn't what i wanted to be doing but i long as i kept bettering myself and it's like the classic quote of like, um, I think it was like, it's like, I don't even know if it's like one of those real quotes. You know how people slap words on a <laughs> poster online and friggin' who knows where it came from. But it was like, uh, it was like one of those classic, like, like, I think it was like a Jim Carrey quote or something like that about how depression is real. You know, you should get help. But like, if you're not eating healthy and exercising, you're not giving yourself a fighting chance. Mm. And I'm like, I agree with that. I think like, I think there's some things out of your control and I think you should go get help. I think there's no shame in that. I think taking medication is completely great and fine if that's what works for you and you need that. I think you should talk to people. I think you should talk to professional people. But, you know, if you're sitting in bed all day and, you know, you're you're ordering a McDonald's every night and, you know, and don't get me wrong, it's hard. It's so hard to break out of that because it's all you know, especially for a long time. But, like, if you don't, you got to try, man. You got to, you yeah. got to try and, and do it even if you fail at least you try you know and yeah, like you, 
Give, give yourself you, a better chance. I love that you said I started with like it was one little goal. That's all yeah. it was. It wasn't like eight goals. Yeah. It wasn't like I'm going to do everything. It was here's my one little goal. It can be seen as a challenge as well. Like challenges. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. People. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. 100 kilometers is a lot. But I said to myself, if I say I'm going to run 100 and I don't make it and I only ran 30 or if I ran just 10, one kilometer a day, twice a week, that's 10 more I would have done this month. Mm, yeah. So yeah. like, so like, I was like, just aim as high as you can and try your best to get that. Cause even if you don't get it, you're still going to go higher than you did. If you set it to the lowest, exactly. right? Like if you say, I'm going to run 5k in a month and then you do it, then you stop because you did it. But I kept running because I had to hit a big milestone. Yeah. So it's like, even if I fail at that hundred and I make it to like, I remember like I was three days away and I was 85 and I was like, I got to get 15 kilometers in the next three days. But even if I didn't, I ran 85 fucking kilometers. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I've never done that before. So I think it's good to aim high. Cause then at least if you don't make it to that goal, you work so hard to get there. You went further than you would have, if you would have aimed lower. You know what That's I mean? 85 more clicks than you would have run if you hadn't given yourself oh, a challenge. It would have been 85 more clicks than the two clicks I walk every month going to the kitchen. So there you go. That's <laughs> wonders. And I think what yeah, also like really helped too was uh right before this, me and a bunch of comedians and I did a competition where we put 50, I think it was like 25 bucks in a pot each. And for six weeks we see who can go the longest without ordering takeout or who would order <laughs> the least amount of takeout nice <laughs> the least amount of takeout and honestly i was getting so much because i think during the pandemic it's such instant gratification to order food and that was the only way i could get joy with someone bringing me a big mac or bringing me mary browns or whatever <laughs> and you're helping the economy <laughs> and i'm helping the economy <laughs> but I, I feel like but i feel like when i cut that out and i was dependent on making my own food i became more i have a better relationship with food now because mm -hmm. i make it all yeah and, and, and i can still mm. and money oh my god yeah. save so much money but also i can still make chicken strips from home or, or, or whatever, but then it's an experience. Cause now I'm like learning a recipe, making it with Hannah and controlling all the elements, making it, it's not all deep fried, it's healthier. And like, mm. and I can control the portion sizes. Cause that's the big thing is you eat that food to feel better, but then you eat so much of it. And you're like, Oh God, I'm gonna die. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think that was, I think, I think it's because I tried and gave myself the fighting chance, uh, to put the effort in and like you know i'm not i'm still not 100 there's still a lot of stuff i'm dealing with but like i feel so much better and i feel much more confident that i can do things i'm more motivated to do things because i did that thing yeah and, i think it's interesting and, to yeah. see how easy it is to get sort of stuck in these patterns that are uh more comfortable but i think nick you said you yeah. went through something similar as well and i know at the beginning of the pandemic i was yeah. feeling the same way where it's kind of like, well, what's the point? What's the point of doing anything? I'm just going to get high every night and watch movies. You know what I mean? And then eventually that yeah. gets old. But I think there's like something has to, you need to get some kind of motivation, some kind of snap, something has to happen that seems to spark, or at least it seems to be the case for Nick and, and Ryan in this case, something sparks where you're just like, what the fuck? This doesn't make me happy. I need to get back to what makes me what makes me happy, what brings me joy, what brings me motivation. Uh, yeah, well, when, yeah, it was at first when it struck. Uh, and when, this was specifically for like my creative stuff. Like I did no writing. Um, so everything was just, just try to get through a day. You know, it's like, 
I'm super fortunate because my job, I'm able to do it at home. So the, like work-wise, uh, my company said, we're not going to fire anyone until like the next year. So everyone's job safe for a year. We're going to keep yeah. you at home and safe. So like that was taken care of. It was getting used to having the kids at home all the time because they started doing the online schooling. And also um, my wife was working from home, which was totally new for her. So it was basically all of us in our, in our four people bubble uh just trying to get the grips with what life is going to look like for we had no idea like at the time there's no uh vaccine on the horizon it could have been three years so it, you know it was a tough time uh fortunately like over the summer our numbers got better and my son plays like rep baseball so we were getting out and seeing other humans at a distance and watching sports and like coop was loving it because he, he can have some physical activity it was great um and then i don't know when the writing kicked back but it for sure came back for november because i do nanowrimo every well for the last two years where you write a book in a month and so like by the time october hit i had to start planning for the book and it's just like turning on a light bulb the writing just happened again so i lucked out on that i think that's uh, yeah. yeah and it seems to be back like I'm, i've been doing my morning pages as well like started getting that back going from January, setting some goals and stuff like that. And I don't know, like I haven't set up the run hundred K thing, but I'm doing myself a, a push-up challenge where it's like every day. That's I great do though. That's great. Like as long as you do as long as you're doing it and trying, like it's it's so great. If I can recommend anything, dude, it's like anything that tracks it. Yeah. Like, it oh. doesn't need to be some expensive piece of tech or cheap piece even of whatever, even just a notebook. Yourself. Yeah. 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 Oh, dude. Like if like a little whiteboard or just says today I did one push up, tomorrow I did two. I, my rule of thumb with this, with any goal is like, if you can do just as good as you did the day before, that's a win. Yeah. yeah. Like you didn't go down. Like just so like, you know, if you know, like your limit is five push ups. If, if you do five push ups, you're winded. That means your only goal is to do five tomorrow. Yeah. And then five again tomorrow. Just do five every day. And then one day you're going to be like, I feel like I can do a bit more. And then when you do seven, you're like, great. Now I just got to do seven every day. Oh, dude. Now then, threshold. Yeah. Well, yeah. at the point now it's like, if I, if I miss a day, then I have to make up those numbers the next day. And that's been a huge motivation. of <laughs> Not like doubling my, my workout thing. Yeah. So it's been going yeah. pretty good. Okay. This is yeah, a, it's great, man. That's awesome. Right. We know what we need to be healthy and to, and to be motivated. We need that right balance of, of, of like body health, mental health, and social, like social health. Uh, so when, when all of that sort of went away temporarily, it was a shock to our systems, but now yeah. we're finding a way to reincorporate them, even though it looks a little bit different than it used to. And I've been taking comfort in the fact that it feels like a defined amount of time. Like I don't, I don't think it'll be too much uh, longer than the summer where more things are going to open up. So I'm just trying to be in the moment and appreciate the one year where everyone had to stay home. But even if it, if you don't like, even if it ends up, cause then I see you be being disappointed if it ends up lasting. Well, yeah, that. yeah, no, that's gonna, I'll be right back on the struggle bus. When that right. Happens. So I think maybe if you keep to that mentality of, of moment to moment, then it doesn't matter when it ends, as long as you're able to sit in uh, the present and sit in the, you know, I, I mean, I hear you, but in like counterpoint, shut up. Oh, like, right. 
Uh, I love it. Uh, great. Well, uh, anyway, I thought that post was very motivating, Ryan. So that's why uh, I was like, yeah. I, we gotta, we gotta talk to him. We have to find out what happened, what snapped in him that he was like, no, I'm good. Your struggle <laughs> rate snap- went through the roof. <laughs> uh, the, the, yeah, the, I think no, the snap was, that was just had- realizing. The snap was realizing, like, I'm not doing anything to make myself better, and yeah. and you can't, you can't just sit around waiting for it to get better. You to put the effort in and i realized i wasn't and and i think the biggest thing is just do it for yourself don't do it for anybody else don't i don't think you need to post or make an announcement just do it for you that you just start doing it and when you feel like proud about something you know feel free to open up about it because hopefully it'll inspire other people to take better care of themselves um but i think that was the snap moment realizing was i'm not doing anything to make this situation better and that's on me and you gotta own that and I owned it and I just was like I just gotta do better and and not just rely on pity or anything like that or or you know motivation from friends that that's just there to make you feel better and and you gotta it doesn't mean anything if you're not putting the work in so I put the work in I love it that sounds awesome Ryan so do you have any um we could go to the plug section now if you want do you have any shows or anything coming up on on zoom or or otherwise that people look forward to nothing (laughs) (laughs) I have an album that's been out for two years I I just want to make another one but I who knows when that's going to be I might be going on tour soon I don't know Uh, violently nice is my album you can search that honestly just just search ryan dylan comedian and have a good time that's right uh, <laughs> uh, and just fi- you can follow me at the ryan dylan t-h-e-r-y-a-n-d-i-l-l-o-n just google ryan dylan comedian follow it and uh here you can keep along my journey in comedy and hear all the funny stuff i gotta say sounds awesome thank you ryan uh, thanks thank so you much both for, for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. It was so nice to catch up to see you after probably yeah. over a year. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, keep, uh, keep, I don't know, keep on keeping on. Uh, you too, bud. You too both. Keep on getting on. Keep her and, and good luck with your push ups, my friend. I, I wish you the best. <laughs> I hope we get better. It's good oh, to I mean that. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You learn about yourself doing it. Like, oh, I can do push-ups. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I learned how much I can't run and then how much I could run and how much I will never run. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Again, thanks for being here, Ryan. Uh, make sure everybody, make sure you check. We're going to post all of Ryan's social media and uh, yeah, the information required to follow him so that you can do so. Uh, from I'll log on to Twitter. From Facebook. a safe distance, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, usually we end this with a little struggle on Ryan. Do you want to give us a little struggle on? That's all you have to say. What is that? What is struggle on? What do I do for that? You just say struggle on. Folks struggle on my friends. There we go. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks guys. There you go, Bree. That was a good episode right there. Oh, what, what a delightful human being running around (laughs) running around with this with his little comedy legs i don't know what that means (laughs) uh but still yeah how's your push-up challenge going nick still going hit number 50 today brevis oh my goodness 50 push-ups 50 push-ups and crunches oh oh and crunches i don't i don't know why i don't register crunches as being as hard of a thing i think it's because i've always felt crunches were easier than push-ups Oh, well, they're good for the core. Uh, I find like I'm not getting any back issues now. Oh, that's great. That's good. Yeah, I'm hoping it'll translate to an awesome golf swing this summer. Oh, perfect. I find like the more exercising I do with Erica, 
the more I find pain in my back, but it's only mm. because I'm rediscovering muscles in my back that I haven't used in a long time. Yeah, you'll get over that and then you can start your crime fighting. Oh, perfect. Oh, thank goodness. I've been waiting for that. But uh, before that, Bree, I mean, <laughs> we got to share with the criminals of the underworld that, that they should uh, follow Struggle Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and, uh, and the gram. Yes, absolutely. And and if you uh, liked this chat with Ryan Dillon, you definitely have to follow him. His content is so funny. Uh, he's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at the Ryan Dillon. And I'm why do I feel like he's on TikTok? No, maybe it was just an Instagram reel of his that I saw. Mm. Um, and he also has, if you haven't heard it already, you should definitely check out. He's got an album. Uh, all, he's got an album out that you can listen to. It's called Violently Nice, which makes sense now that you've heard the episode, <laughs> right? <laughs> makes sense. Uh, and uh, that is available if you uh, if you subscribe to Apple Music or Spotify google play and if you happen to have sirius xm uh radio you can listen to it on the jfl canada channel which uh i believe is channel 168 but those channels change all the time so maybe it's not that anymore so if you tuned in and it's like the jimmy buffett channel you're also welcome mm, the jimmy buffett channel i'm pretty sure is way lower in the numbers i want to say like uh like a maybe a 27 oh my maybe. god people are just learning so much from our podcast Yes, I think so. I know that just because like my Yacht Rock channel changed constantly. <laughs> <laughs> All the time it changed. Um, Excellent. Yes. Hey, here's something else that I would absolutely, and I think you would too, Nick, absolutely love and appreciate would be if if you listening at home, if you wouldn't mind supporting the podcast by rating and reviewing the podcast. Wherever oh, yeah, yeah, you for listen. sure. Yeah, if you can yes, leave us please. a review, yeah. it's so helpful if you're on apple podcasts or you're listening on podbean or google play or even spotify please leave us a review it helps us so much when you do and if you do so and uh and we're like we're gonna be happy to share reviews if <laughs> if you leave one uh because i personally think that is so much fun like um <laughs> there's one uh posted are you, oh, are you looking out? I do have I one, do yeah. One right it now. It's not. It's five stars. Oh, my. And the name is, uh, can't think of an original nickname. That's oh. their name. Uh, and here's here's the uh, review. It's, love this. This show is fantastic. Oh, my right? goodness. So I think if you love this show. Obvious listener fantastic. right there. Yes, clearly big, big fan. Uh, so if you, uh, if you love the show, uh, please leave us a, uh, leave us a little review and we'll read it. If we, you know, we'll read it. If it's five stars, if it's not five stars. Get out of here. Uh, uh, we, we'd consider four stars too, though, to be honest. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. I will. I, I would uh, like, yeah, just to get that little criticism of what we need to get over the top for that this star. That's, yeah. that's crucial. I think that helps, you know, give us a little bit, give us some work. This we're struggling artists it is and struggling struggle. podcasters. This star. That's right. Help us, help us help you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you ever, if you feel like you've got a story, you've got a little struggle you'd like to share with us, please reach out on either of our social channels and we'll, uh, we'd love to have a talk with you. We'd love to chat with you. Um, 
also, if you've been struggling during the pandemic and you found a way out of it, you dug your way out similar to how Ryan did in this episode, feel free to let's talk about it on our, uh, on the Facebook page, on the constant struggle Facebook page. Let's start a community there. Let's, let's encourage each other. Let's lift each other up and uh, share the struggles, you know? Yeah. I feel like we're, we're like winding down with this thing. Let's all get out of it without, you know, suffering any more than we have to. <laughs> That's right. Let's help each other out. Let's uh, try to encourage each other and motivate each other while we're at it. Does that sound good, Nick? I, I think it does. Can we all do right. that? I think so. All, all right. right. Yeah. Well, then thank you for listening. And then uh... You're welcome. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see you next time, folks. Struggle on, everybody. Struggle on, everybody. Thank you.